Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our very special guest, Tracy Cromwell. Tracy knows the struggles associated with food, body image, stress, poor gut health, and self-confidence firsthand. In 2006, she was 180 pounds, diagnosed with prediabetes, and living the chaotic life of a yo-yo dieter. Her personal journey to health recovery inspired her to change careers so that she could walk alongside others and support them as they walk their own journeys to health. Tracy is an integrative nutrition health coach for the confused and frustrated dieter. She is certified with the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, a certified precision nutrition health coach and pro coach, a National Academy of Sports Medicine personal trainer, and a weight loss specialist. And I had the distinct pleasure of meeting Tracy a year ago in New York City at the National Publicity Summit. And as soon as she and her colleague, Ingrid, came to pitch me for the show, it was one of those instant knowings. It was like, oh yeah, these people are on fire with their mission and their spirit and have, you know, walked a hard path. I could tell that too. So I'm just so grateful that you are here, Tracy. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm honored to be here and I am so happy we had the opportunity to meet last October. What a blessing. Yeah. Well, I want to dive right into our time together today because I know that one of the biggest most difficult things a lot of women struggle with are food and body image, which then of course leads to stress and poor gut health and self-confidence issues. So I'd love to have you tell our listeners, if you could, if you have anything from your big story that you can point to that you see as might've been the origin of that for you. Like, where did you get to 180 pounds, get to pre-diabetes? You know, what was underneath that? Wow. Oh, goodness me. What was underneath that was a lot of feeling unworthy as a human being, um, not being good enough. And that started when I was fairly young. And I guess to go... (laughs) Most of us women, and this happens for men too, but most women, we, as we grow, it can get worse and worse. I remember not really thinking much about how I looked or anything until someone said, oh, you should be wearing makeup, you know, or gee, um, I would see in a magazine someone that didn't look like me and therefore I was the problem. I had 
too big of thighs or I had too big of a chest or I just wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't. And then, you know, there were things from my childhood too. There were times in, in my life where, where finances were difficult for my family. So that was hard. And so I just had this mindset that for some reason I was not good enough. And so the only way I could be good enough was to put on a facade, you know, and, and it was almost like I was clawing, clawing to possibly be worthy. And so I would, I would pound myself, if that's the way I could say it, in my mind with exercise or even in my past career to prove to people. I had to prove to people that I was worthy, but inside I, I realized I wasn't even being my real self. And so this inside person was, as I realized through my journey, was just crying to be me. So I would use food. I had definitely food sensitivity problems, which in the 70s, we didn't even talk about. So I was always really upset digestion, which gave me anxiety. So you just add that on top of it. So all these things stacked up. And finally, by the time I was in my late 30s, I was in a corporate job that I just was dying in. And so I chose chocolate and wine pairing. You know, it just was like, and then the next thing I, I, I would just cover up everything and I try to make everything look good. And I try to make myself look big to other people. And then inside, I just still didn't like who I was. And I didn't think I was worthy. So that's how it all happened. They just kind of layered on top of each other. And I was afraid if anyone knew the real Tracy, they wouldn't like me. You know, I hadn't learned yet that until you are who you are, you will never meet your people. <laughs> you know, I didn't know that then. So I was trying to always please other people. And I was also at the table, I always felt obligation to eat whatever was given. Because, you know, that's how people show they care about you and they give you food. And even if I wasn't hungry or if it made me feel sick, I still ate it. And then I would eat something else to try and cover up the, the pain in my stomach. I just had no connection as to that food could actually make me feel a specific way or that my emotions would drive my eating and vice versa. And I really didn't want to have to worry about it. Mm. It was it was too much for me to worry about. And it took this diagnosis and then looking in the mirror and being, I, and I was ashamed and I couldn't believe I allowed this to happen to myself. So I was very upset about that, you know. Another yeah. layer. There goes another layer. <laughs> exactly. And so, so all this just by the time, you know, I said late 30s and my career was so, I was in the wrong industry, you know. And I think because I devalued myself so much. I couldn't see the potential to be happy as the real Tracy. Sure. Well, there's a lot of different paths we can go down here with this story, but I feel, I actually feel like I want to talk a little bit about and maybe help our listeners because I feel like our listening audience kind of spans a few generations, right? So I grew up also in the generation where my mother grew up in the depression, right? And then they went through World War II. And I will never forget one of the stories she used to say all the time, tell me all the time was, 
about the little German girl, because she, with her first husband, was over in post-war Germany, about the little German girl that she saw as she was looking out her window one day who was in her trash bin looking for bread. And the messaging that I felt that I received was I needed to eat whatever was put in front of me because there were, quote, starving children in the world. And, and so I'd love to have you speak a little bit about the piece for you, if there was one, around how you started to dismantle some of the conditioning that you may have received that was coming from a place of, you know, maybe scarcity, your parents were in scarcity, or coming from a place of concern to make sure that you actually had food in your body, but was ignorant of the fact that it was actually harming you. Mm-hmm. And where that came from. Yeah. yeah. Well, more, more, I want to hear about like what happened internally for you to decondition yourself, to like let some of this stuff go and give yourself permission to like admit that doesn't make me feel good. Right. It was interesting. Yes. Cause I never wanted to admit it cause I didn't want to let anybody down. You know, I didn't want to hurt anybody else's feelings. So what was interesting to me when I got the diagnosis, although however frustrating that was, and because I always felt that I had to get permission from others to do whatever it was I needed to do, it was like I had a note finally. And I had a note that I could tell my family, see, I'm not supposed to eat these things. And it was interesting how for some reason I had to have a note because at that period in my life, I couldn't do it for myself. I didn't have it in me. And so it was a turning point for me that I had permission and I had a doctor's order to take care of myself. Of course, they didn't tell me how to do that. They just told me to, you know, <laughs> they don't tell you that stuff sometimes. So I, but it was like, I still remember that empowering moment at breakfast one morning saying, I'm not going to eat the French toast. I'm not going to have the pancakes, you know, and I'm okay with that, you know. So it was like this great step, however silly that might sound. But also it started to make me listen to my body. So it was that, got a doctor's note. Yeah. <laughs> that so that's kind of what I needed. I think I needed to crash in, into that low of lows for myself. And the other thing too, was I had lost my job in that recession of the housing crisis. So all of that had combined together, you know? And so finally I felt like I have permission to take care of me. I didn't know what that looked like, but I had this opportunity now to change my stars, to change my life. Yeah, beautiful. And so what was the first thing that you did once you got your permission slip? And and why don't we also just let this be a permission slip? Let this interview be the permission slip for anybody out there who's resonating with what Tracy says. You don't have to have a doctor's note. We're, We're, as soul sisters, going to give you permission to take care of yourself and to say no to things that don't make you feel good. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. We do not need a permission slip from anybody else to take care of ourselves. We do not need that. And we are worthy of taking care of ourselves. So my next step was small. I felt lost, uncertain, really what to do. Well, really the only thing I was told was to don't eat white bread or white rice anymore. That's what I was told to do. So 
so um, that was uh, 2006. And so I'm like, okay, I don't, I'm not going to eat pasta and all this. And I went into the pantry and I had a big walk-in pantry. And I was like, oh gosh, there's my rice and my, my pasta, you know, and my bread. And I went through a bit of grief mm -hmm. of loss for these items, which was interesting. But I also had some empowerment. And so it was just that one first small, small step. And what was interesting is I went along this journey with myself and the, the conflicts in my mind of giving up and why should I have to give up anything? And still hadn't learned the benefits. I hadn't learned this about what was on the other side of these things. Went through this grief, actually, of loss and still some anger at my body because my body should have been able to just tolerate anything I did to it you know and I was angry at it you know and it was just baby steps and when I say the word just I that's a heavy word so anytime I might say that it does just isn't just just but mm -hmm. I I started with those refined carbohydrates and then I struggled yo-yo dieted took me three years to get my blood sugars back to normal and in that time, I started to look for a new career, and I had this little voice in my head. I said, Tracy, remember when? I'm like, I'm not going back to school. I'm too old. Well, but remember how you always used to like this? You should, you should go back and be a trainer. And I was like, but I'm overweight, and I'm this and that, and no one's going to want to hear me. And anyway, and so I started, this voice started to speak inside of me, you know, and and instead of shoving her down and not listening, I kind of, I was like, hmm, maybe I should listen. It took me another three, four years to listen to her until finally a little two by four, another little bonk over the head, I feel like happens to you sometimes, <laughs> a little wake up call. I was like, I'm going to go back to school. And I realized I had such a struggle trying to learn who I was, learn how to live with my life with food and my body that I thought there's gotta be other people like me and maybe I can help through my journey serve others to walk with them, you know, mm, and beautiful. Not, not have it be so hard. Nice. Well, we are already at the break. It happens quickly. And uh, when we come back, we're going to dive in a little bit deeper about that time period and that journey and uh, you know, your intention to help others. But right now, Wickedly Smart Women, we are exercising our asking for help muscle because if you don't ask for help, you're never going to get it. So if you are enjoying the show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We would also like to let you know that we have a Facebook group in Facebook right now that we're building and growing up for the listeners. And we have just opened the Wickedly Smart Women store. So we will have in the show notes the link to the store, and I'm going to be uploading a variety of designs for Wickedly Smart Women to acquire to talk across your chest if you decide you're buying the t-shirt or on your coffee mug if, or tea, teacup if you're buying the teacup or the coffee mug to pronounce yourself as a Wickedly Smart Woman and some of the things that Wickedly Smart Women do, like Wickedly Smart Women take care of themselves. <laughs> and so we are going to put that in the show notes for you. And we want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners all over the world who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. Uh, we are welcoming thousands of downloads. And I want to shout out this week to our listeners in 
Nepal is on my list and Uganda. Nepal and Uganda, thank you so much for tuning in. We will be right back with Tracy Cromwell. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by Women in Transition, Women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Tracy Cromwell. If you want to find out more about Tracy or if you feel really resonant, and one of the things that I'm noticing about Tracy is she's got such a level of self-compassion. I can tell that when she works with clients, she's bringing that to the table in spades. So uh, if you want to find out more about Tracy and what she's got going on, including a new book that I understand that she has coming out called Journey with Food that she's co-written with uh, another woman. We can talk a little bit about that. You can find out more about Tracy and get in touch with her at tracycromwell.com. So before we went to the break, Tracy, we talked a little bit about your own journey with food and with food sensitivity, and we talked about kind of the places that it took you, which was getting to a point where when you began to allow yourself to be who you were, that it also caused you to change your career. So I'd love to have you talk a little bit about that process, that process of making the decision to do a new thing in your late 30s, early 40s. I had the same process myself, so I'd love to have you talk a little bit about that. And what caused you to connect with Ingrid? We can talk a little bit about her and your book, Journey with Food. Absolutely. So just a little bit of my mindset was when I was growing up, I didn't realize how challenging it was to be a woman because I was a kid. I didn't realize the challenges that my mom had to go through. All I know is I was sort of the, the result of those challenges she had to go through, not able to earn enough money, not able to put foot on the table, all of these things, not able to have our own credit card, just stuff that I just didn't understand at that time. And so as I started getting older, I would notice, though, how men got better treatment, men were getting all these great things. And so I wished I hadn't been born a woman. I was really upset. And, you know, here I, you know, I'm junior high, you know, high school. I didn't want to be friends with women. I want to be friends with guys because guys got somewhere. And so what was interesting is that I, I was like, if they can do it, I can do it. I would just get so mad, you know? So I would push myself and push myself and push myself to act like a man, to hide the intuitiveness of uh, who I was because I was a woman, you know? And so I ended up in construction. I was one of the first purchasing managers in residential construction. And I was just I didn't realize at the time, but like a, a bit of a trailblazer for women, I was the early 90s, you know, very early 90s, and you didn't see us much in those areas. And so 
I had so much angst and and just this turmoil in my gut through that whole career. But I did, I progressed and I, I did really well and was great negotiating and all of that. And one day I just was exhausted, <laughs> I was just tired. And I realized I was in the wrong place. And that's when, you know, I got laid off during the crisis and I got so depressed because I was the job I was, and how humiliating, right? So I went through that as well. When I realized, as I went back consulting in the industry, I would get that horrible pit in my stomach. And my voice was like, you're in the wrong place. Yeah, you're good at it, but you're not in the right place. So I finally listened to myself and I said, okay, I, I need to change where I'm at because I'm going to die here. I know I am. I'm just not flourishing at all. So, yeah, so I listened to that voice and I looked around. I tried to figure out where I could go back to school. How can I do this the best way for me? And, and made the brave leap. I think it, yeah, it was um, six years ago. So I sat on this for a long, long time because I didn't trust myself. Mm. You know, it was interesting building well, that to trust myself so yeah you know it's fascinating because you and I have it's almost like we're mirror sisters because I had the exact I was in the real estate industry early 90s late 80s early 90s you know one of the few women I was the national chairperson of my trade association and I got up one morning and I knew that if I walked into that office with my partners at the time one more day, I was going to die. So I've been there, done that. <laughs> I know um, we're not alone either. <laughs> so, and, and it's just, a, I mean, I could spend all day talking to you. Well, let's talk a little bit about the book, because there's a big difference between changing careers and then making the decision to become an author. That's like a whole nother level of excitement. So can you talk about where the book came from and, you know, what, Maybe your, I guess it was the listening, maybe it was the listening now to your little voice even more potently, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, thank so God for that little voice. Thank God for the little voice. When we listen, when we listen, yeah. Yeah. you know, to that champion that's inside of us, it's amazing. It's terrifying. Totally. It's totally. <laughs> Where are we? Okay. What? We're doing what? <laughs> okay. I'm terrified, but I'm going to... I'm going to go. Yeah, so I met Ingrid, my co-author in school. She's from Santiago, Chile. And what's her last name? Ingrid Lau. Okay, great. Yeah, so Ingrid Lau. And she's from Santiago, Chile, and I'm Seattle, Washington. And what it was, what it was is we had to, for one year in school, we needed to have a peer coach. So that we'd practice and we could support each other. And the minute she and I met, like, you and I are seeing each other now, it was like, you're my person. You are my sister. And how we could possibly, yeah, I would love to do a DNA comparison with her because I feel like we should, we've got to be related. So as we worked together, we realized we both had come from, you know, although different countries, we had both had the same challenges with our food, our self-image, people pleasing, challenges from when we were children that carried us into this kind of a hate relationship with our bodies. You know, at one point she wished she had been a man as well, you know. Me too. Me too. <laughs> you know, she wanted to not ever be a woman. She wanted to hide. And, and so for those reasons, she, she would eat as well. And so when we were talking, going through school, we thought we need to stay together with this. And we thought we could do 
maybe we should do webinars or whatever. And back then the technology, we just weren't ready for it or whatever. And then we were like, wait a minute, we could write this into a book. And so gotta be four years, four plus years now. And copper. Anyway, and we each decided on what topics we wanted to write about. And so we just started to create together. And, you know, it was just this, we knew we had to write the book because again, there are others like us and it's not a diet book. It's a journey. You're going to write in this book. My hope is that, you know, it'll be available. It's available in electronic, but the hope is that people get the hard copy and they write in it. And this becomes their journey to find out who they are, what their relationship is with food, what's driving that relationship. And so that their mind can learn and they can start hearing that inner spirit, that inner person that maybe they're squelching and covering with food or, or whatever, you know, traumas could have happened in their lives that food is being used for comfort and to relieve this, the shame associated with that. Cause there is no shame in that, you know, it's not like that. And so we had both been there. We both been crying. We both have had so much happen to us. And so we would hope, you know, our hope is that this will go out into the world and, and help people, you know, release that bondage of yo-yo dieting, of self-loathing, of the feeling of not good enough, um, release relationships that are harmful to bring some humor in there. My relationship was with caramel popcorn my mom used to make, you know, I have so much built around this relationship with this, this caramel that it brought me memories of my family all together and they were happy times. I get so sick to my stomach though when I eat it. So now I have this relationship with it for what it was. It was in what it meant. And I respect that my body can't eat it anymore. Okay. I remember those wonderful memories. So figuring all that stuff out, is what my goal is with beautiful. I love it. Well, having the relationship that you have with your actual physical body be the top priority, even though the caramel popcorn was <laughs> was a pretty powerful relationship. Yes, a very powerful. Oh my goodness. Well, we are already at the end. I want to just invoke for all of our listeners that you all start to listen to your inner wickedly smart woman. <laughs> like that just came in. I was like, oh yeah, it's the inner wickedly smart woman who's, who's guiding you. And if you feel resonant, please reach out to Tracy at tracycromwell.com. I'm assuming that the book will be also on that site or a link to get the book will be on that site as well. Great. Yeah. Well, awesome. Have- yeah. And uh, it was just a lovely pleasure to have you here. If there was one thing one thing that you would want to leave our listeners with, you know, one sentence that you'd want to leave our listeners with, what would it be? Say this to yourself every day in a loving way. I am worthy. Mm, I love that. Well, listeners, I am worthy. You are worthy. Tracy's worthy. All wickedly smart women all around the world are worthy. And we do also love feedback. So please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that in the show notes or send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open and remember, you are a wonderful woman. 
Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.